How do you unlock your full potential of influence and create lasting change? I'm your co-host, Dave Donaldson. Along with your other co-host, Scott Young, welcome to the Influencers Podcast. Join us each week for inspirational stories and strategies from leaders, experts, and professionals around the globe. We want to see you get equipped and empowered to make an impact that resounds from your neighborhood to the nations. While you listen, if you enjoy our content, we would love for you to subscribe and have the opportunity to tune in to future podcasts. Just hit the subscription button. Even more importantly, we'd like to invite you to be part of our team by helping us to share the message and continue to bring more and exciting guests onto the program. These guests help us to grow in our influence, your five-star rating and personal written review, which we look forward to reading, will help us to move forward. You can also follow us at the Influencers Podcast Official on all social media channels to stay up to date, to hear more inspiring content, and to unlock your full potential as an influencer. I can guarantee that you will be inspired and challenged by our guest today. Recently, we interviewed Tommy Barnett, the great pastor out of Arizona, and he loves to say, find a need and fill it. (laughs) You're about to hear one of the greatest examples of that. Uh, Linda Zanaco is the founder of He Knows Your Name Ministries. What a great name which seeks to honor every child with a name in life and dignity and honor and death. Uh, Linda is a popular speaker at conferences, retreats, and has been interviewed numerous times since the life-changing events of 2009 when she, get this, learned the death of a boy, a baby boy, whose body was found in a dumpster. She is the author of He Knows Your Name, how one abandoned baby inspired me to say yes to God. Linda lives in Indianapolis, Indiana with her family. Uh, Linda, I was born in Indiana, Madison, Indiana. Oh, goodness, yes. Yeah, they're on the river. My dad pastored there. So uh, from one uh, hooser to another, welcome to the Influencers Podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's really an honor to be with you. You know, every so often we hear, you know, these tragic stories of abandoned babies, and some of them are found alive, others are found dead, and it it breaks our heart and and saddens us, but we continue to just move on. Uh, But you chose not to do that. Uh, You decided to take a stand and to really uh, acknowledge these babies, whether they died or they're alive. And you started this wonderful ministry called He Knows Your Name. Uh, Please share with us about the circumstances that led you to begin this great work. Well, you know, it's it's interesting to hear you phrase the question the way you did, because honestly, I didn't set out to do anything except, you know, I heard God in the breaking news story that said baby Doe was found in a dumpster wearing a diaper. And I knew it was God stopping me and taking this heart of mine and making it just rush because, you know, we hear a lot of news stories. And I I think like this one had my name on it because God turned it upside down. And I clearly heard the voice of God when he said, dough is not a name and a dumpster is not a grave and a diaper is not burial clothing. 
Mm. And I knew that there was something I needed to do. And immediately I knew really, I have questions and where do I go with my questions? And so I went to the author of the story online and he said to me, you know, the coroner is going to be able to answer your questions, call the coroner. And he hung up, hung up on me. And I thought, well, I don't know the coroner and I've never called him before, but okay, I guess I can call him. And so really with, you know, nervous heart, I called and said, what happens to a baby that's been found in a dumpster in our city? And the answer I was given just really spurred on more questions. And in, in the answer, I realized that that was truly the injustice. And the answer I was given was that these babies, if, if the criminal investigation comes up empty, will be put in a mass grave, not named, not celebrated, not given a funeral. And I found that injustice, of course, in the most resourced country in, America, in the world, um, in the 21st century, how in the world could that be the solution for a baby that's been abandoned? And I knew right then that I needed to do something. And I said, please put my name on the case. I want to take care of this baby. Hmm. Incredible. Now, since you began this ministry, you have been to some unexpected places. Uh, can you tell us about some of those experiences? Yeah, I sure can. I mean, honestly, every place I've been has been unexpected. And I mean that because this did not form a ministry right off the bat. I didn't have a five-year plan. I just tried to answer this call. And while I waited for that criminal investigation for 13 months, I called the coroner's office every Friday morning. And I heard more and more of the needs that were going on in our county, in our city, in our state, in our country in regard to abandonment. And one of those babies that was found um, by a hiker in a park here in Indianapolis led me to the Senate chamber. And I never, ever thought I would be standing before the Senate or the House of Representatives advocating for a law to enhance the safe haven law in our country. Um, which then ended up passing because I gave that baby a name and said, she's not just a number. She's not just an abandoned baby. She's a child of God and her name is Amelia. That's incredible. When you shared, by the way, before the Senate chamber, what were some of the things that you shared with them? Well, one of the profound things that happened to me really that morning was my time with the Lord in prayer because I was so nervous. I felt very um, ill-equipped and unqualified to do what I knew I needed to go do. And that was give testimony. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, you know, you, you're not certified or educated for these things and you're not a chaplain and you're not a this and you're not a that, you know, I'm not a funeral home director, but you are a child of God too. And I equip you and I qualify you to the do the work and answer the call that I've put on your heart. And that emboldened me. And so I was like, well, then how am I going to do this? And the Lord said, you know, clearly like take your Bible and go get the temporary headstone that you had on the grave of this baby. And so I went to my office and I picked up this little marble headstone and in my heart, I knew I needed to go weigh this headstone. So I went upstairs and I weighed the headstone and it weighed five pounds and three ounces. And I was like, so now what, you know, now I know this. And the Lord said, go read the autopsy results. And I did. And I found in the autopsy results that this baby Amelia weighed exactly five pounds and three ounces. And I knew that I needed to take that headstone with me and have every Senator hold it. 
And I, when I asked them all to hold it and pass it around, and then I also showed them the copy of her footprints. And I said to them, you know, when you came here today, you never, you never thought you would have anything in common with an abandoned baby, but you do. You have footprints, just like all your children and grandchildren do. So did she. She marked this earth and she has purpose and there's legacy on her life. And I believe that it has something to do with the safe haven law. And that is just what God gave me to say. And when the unanimous vote came and everyone stood, I knew that that was a God moment. That, that is an amazing story. That really is. Because, you know, so many people are just cursing the wind, cursing the darkness. Uh, they think that things can't be changed. They're overwhelmed by uh, the magnitude of the need. Uh, can you speak to those people that, that have great hearts? They have hearts of mercy. Uh, they want to make a difference, but they don't think they can. Absolutely. We live in a very broken, fallen world. And I, like a lot of people, am very overwhelmed daily by the need I see. And I have to constantly ask God in my time abiding with him, what has my name on it? What is my assignment? Because there are a lot of things I could go chase after and do. There's a lot of things that even in within the mission of He Knows Your Name that I could say, well, this looks like it kind of fits. I could go do that too. Or, um, you know, this has to do with adoption or babies or fostering or whatever. And I think, but is it mine? And I think that like the subtitle of my book says, you know, how one abandoned baby inspired me to say yes to God. You know, God inspired me and I have to have margin in my life to say yes, because there's a lot of places I need to say no. And I think the Christian life and the church needs to not be about busyness, but about creating margin to number one, hear God, to number two, believe he still speaks and to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that when you hear him, you're able to say yes to him. And it is in the saying yes, that all of a sudden the clarity comes that this is what I was made for. I was not made for all those other things over there or over there or over there. I was made to do this. And what comes across my desk is for me. And I do a better job saying no now to things that are still very worthy, but they're not my things. And so I want to encourage people to find their yes and then stick with it and realize that God is going to equip you and qualify you to do things that make no sense. Well, that is so good because I think many in our culture see the Christian church as just saying no to everything. And there's a rebranding uh, that needs to happen. And it's happening through people like you that are saying yes, where we're not just known for what we're against, but what we're for or for these babies. And I also, when I also think the church has gotten so programmed because a lot of we're into this mega church mindset and philosophy that if it doesn't fit into the programized church philosophy, then there's no place for it. And people shrink back and then do nothing. And I think the entrepreneurial spirit of a Christian needs to be reborn, like you're saying, rebranded in people to say, no, this is for you. You go do something and make a difference in your neighborhood, in your family, in your city. And if no one else knows about it, 
So what? You know you are answering the call of Jesus on your life. You know, people also love to give and serve uh, collaborations. Mm-hmm. There's so many silos out there, you know, organizations mm-hmm. doing the same thing. I love the fact that you are uh, collaborating with organizations like Safe Haven Baby Box. Uh, please explain to us that program and how you work with them. Well, I first had to have a mind shift. Uh, you make a great point about you know, collaboration, we were not made for isolation. We were made to live in community and be in relationship. And when the, when I got called into the, this ministry and the coroner said to me, hey, will your organization do this or do that? I was like, I don't know what organization, what are you talking about? It's just me. And after a couple of years of forming relationships with resources and local businesses and other organizations I kind of found myself, so this started in 2009. By 2015, on New Year's Day, I asked the Lord, give me my word for the year, because I love asking him for a word that's going to be the umbrella over my year. And that year, it was collaboration. And to be honest with you, Dave, I was a little argumentative, you know, when God was like, collaboration's your word. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, that doesn't sound very spiritual. I mean, what's collaboration? What does that mean? And the Lord was like, oh, look, like daughter, let's sit down and talk about what the Trinity is. The Trinity is a collaborative spirit where we they each comes together with their roles and their responsibilities. And together we get more done and we do it on purpose and it multiplies. And when I got super excited about that, and then I looked at my ministry and the resources that God was bringing together. I realized that is exactly what he was creating. And it was a collaboration. And one of those collaborative relationships was with Safe Haven Baby Box. Monica Kelsey, who's the founder, came to a funeral of one of my abandoned babies. And she told me about what she was doing. And she said, you know, we're both doing the same thing. We're both trying to solve the same problem, but we're doing it in different ways. What if we were to join together and see how what God had for us. And here I sit six years later where the baby's funeral that we were at talking about this in 2015, we have not had another abandoned baby in the state of Indiana in six years found dead. And I believe it's because of my collaboration and my relationship with the Safe Haven Baby Boxes because legislatively we changed the law, we enhanced the law, We've put over 75 boxes in five or six different states. And just this week, we had our 12th baby safely anonymously surrendered in a box. Not to mention the fact that the hotline that Safe Haven Baby Box provides for at-risk moms has helped over 120 mothers make choices for life. And so we are seeing, like I see legacy on my baby Amelia's life because her footprint is on the logo of Safe Haven Baby Box. So whenever we do a dedication of another box in another location, I share Amelia's story so that people understand there is a problem and this is the solution. And the anonymous safe surrender option seems to be meeting an incredible need for at-risk moms and at-risk babies all over our country. So can people go to your website and find out very specifically, you know, how you are, you know, trying to make a difference uh, through this ministry? And it's called he knows your name dot org. Is that the website? Yes. 
Okay. And real kind of specific, what are you do advocacy, as we've already heard, you know, trying to change laws uh, to you mentioned a hotline. What are kind of like the four or five main things that you do together with the safe haven baby box and and how can people be involved? Well, people can go to shbb.org and they can support Safe Haven Baby Box because every box is privately funded. And um, they can see if, if they can start working with the people they know in their communities and start fundraising for a box and see about getting a box in their community. Um, I think that's really a powerful way to take action. Um, people know right where they live, what their needs are and what their community is doing or not doing. And I think this is a great way to work with first responders in their communities. Um, and then really other than that, I don't do much more with Safe Haven Baby Box except lend the story of Amelia to them. And her footprint is like I said, on the logo. And so she is, whenever she is talked about, you know, I am her voice and I am her uh, I carry her legacy, so I speak for her for them um, so that people understand that there is a fact a need because we still have had abandoned babies in Indiana. They just have not been found deceased. And so thankfully, they've been found alive, but they were intended for death and they were found. Um, so I'm really thankful for that, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And one uh, baby we know, Abigail found a forever family in 2020. Uh, that uh, changed you and your husband's life. And uh, my wife and I can relate. We adopted a young lady, Barbara, out of foster care uh, when she was 16. And and as you know, there's all the reasons, you know, for not yeah. uh, making room. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's what you do. You just say, yes, God, I'll make room. Uh, you'll provide the space, the time, the resources. And and obviously, she's changed us more than we've changed her. Oh, but I know. Tell us a little bit about adopting uh, Abigail. Well, we had been in the foster care system um, working with a little boy for 10 years. And I get what you're saying about, you know, people said it's so great what you're doing for Eli. And I said, oh, my goodness, no, it's what he's changed in us that has really been the greatest thing. Um, and I think that that was just one of the things God used to open our eyes to the need. But um, a friend of mine who's an adoption attorney here in Indianapolis um, knows about the work that I do. We've done some other different things together. Um, and he was working on a story through the children's hospital here in Indianapolis where an addicted homeless mom had a baby. The baby was a rush to the children's hospital immediately because the mother admitted to using quite a bit during pregnancy. And the mother um, had her C-section and then left the hospital, signed adoption papers, and just left. And this adoption attorney was left to realize that this baby's brain was completely 100% damaged. The, um, your, the, all the physicians who did any kind of care or scanning um, and testing on this baby said it like she had the worst MRI they'd ever seen. And this attorney said to me, you know, it doesn't look like she's going to live. Um, but we need someone to take care of her. And I, you know, I said, Steve, of course I'll, I'll help her on, and take care of her in death. And I thought that's what he was asking me because he was calling on me as he knows your name and knowing what I do here in the city. And he said, oh, no, 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 you don't get what I'm saying. Like this baby needs a guardian now um, to make end of life decisions for her. Um, she's suffering and she's in the NICU at the hospital. And can you meet me down there? And so I dropped everything I was doing, 
went down there and met with her whole team of people, physicians and nurses, and read through all the reports and, you know, listened to all of their strategies and recommendations and realized pretty quickly that she just really needed to be taken off life support. And it was about 2.30 on a Friday. And as you know, like what gets done on a Friday afternoon, usually nothing. So um, this adoption attorney said, you know, let me just see what judge is sitting on the seat right now. And if I can get to him and he happened to know who he was and the judge stopped what he was doing and immediately signed over these guardianship papers for us. And by four o'clock, I was the guardian of this baby. And I um, went up to see her and the sign on her door said Bufa, girl Bufa, B-U-F-A, big letters. And I said, what in the world does that mean? And they said, baby up for adoption. And I, I said, does, has anyone called this baby by name? Cause the mother did give the baby a name, but they don't use the name when the baby's up for adoption. And I said, this little girl's name is Abigail. And I want everyone to call her by her name. It means a father's joy. And I believe she will be her father's joy. And so if she has three hours left to live or three days left to live, she will be called by name. And I went in and held her and rocked her and loved on her and then left to come back the next day to take her off life support and spend the day with her. And when I was leaving the parking garage, my husband called and he's like, Hey, what are you doing? Where are you? What are we having for dinner? You know? And I was just crying so hard. And I said, Oh my gosh, I am at Riley Children's Hospital. I'm leaving the parking garage. There's a baby that needs me to take her off life support. And I'm coming back in the morning. I'm coming. I said, I'm coming back later tonight, but I've got to come back in the morning to meet with her team. And my sweet husband just said, you are not doing this alone. I'm coming with you. And we just talked the whole way home and wept together and went back to see her that night and went back the next day and we were with her and they said, oh, she won't live off life support, but just for two minutes maybe. And she lived with us for two hours and we we blessed her, read scripture over her, called her by name. We baptized her and dressed her in a beautiful white gown and just gave her nothing but holy moments of identity and worth that we feel like she deserves, like every baby deserves. And um, we ended up adopting her. A couple months later, that same adoption attorney called us and said, you know, you can adopt her because you were her guardian in life. And I had no idea that that was a possibility, that a posthumous adoption could be done. And it was. And so we became her real family and her birth certificate and death certificate have our name on it. And her headstone has our last name. So our family, I never thought at age of 60, my husband and I would have adopted a baby this year and um, added one to our number four. So we are so blessed that our ministry, my ministry took us to a place that changed our family and our life forever. I think a lot of our listeners are halfway through a Kleenex box. By mm. now. I mean, that, that is moving. That really is. I mean, Jesus, uh, he's given you guys a standing ovation and I oh. know you're for that reason, but boy, that, that really is moving. And, you know, you, you also counsel women that have had miscarriages and, 
uh, but you also counsel, for example, couples that have, you know, lost a child or uh, I pastored uh, many years ago and, you know, had to uh, really be there with the couples. And, and in fact, that's how it started, had to, and then God really cha- challenged my heart that I get to yes, be there with them during that painful time and, and to really help them understand how they will probably grieve differently and how that can create an emotional distancing. And I know some studies show that a, a couple that has lost a an infant, a baby, you know, they 16% end in a divorce. Uh, I don't know about the statistics, but I do know, you know, as a pastor that, that uh, it put a enormous strain on the marriage. Uh, what are your, what are your recommendations to, you know, women that have experienced miscarriages, but also couples that have lost a, a child? Oh, just, you know, to identify what you just said, Dave, to shepherd people through grief. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to be angry. It's a lot easier to blame someone for why things went wrong, but to sit in grief takes a lot of courage. And I encourage people to sit in their grief. And I tell them they are two different people. God wired them so differently and they will grieve differently. And I think calling that out is one of the best things you can do up front for people. Um, is just to say, go get in counseling, go get grief support. And you don't have to do it together because really Steve and I both grieved Abigail very differently. And we still do. I mean, a year and a half later, um, we remember her even differently, but we give each other the space to, and not judge each other. You know, I think, you know, James two says mercy triumphs over jump judgment. And in every way of everything that I do, Um, For me, not to judge Abigail's mom helps me love Abigail more Um, to for me to just allow my husband or anyone to grieve the way they need to grieve allows me to just love them more. And um, I think calling out that statistic and warning people that that is real, but then just saying, could you choose today to say that that's not going to be you and be really honest and upfront about that is very important Um, because I just think that the the advocating for people, the recognition, number one, that like even a miscarriage um, where people say, well, I didn't name my miscarried baby or I didn't name my aborted baby, but I'm really struggling. And I'm like, I think the most healthy thing you can do is name that baby. And it takes it, takes it off of being an event or a circumstance or a hardship or a grief, and it makes it a person. And then I know how to grieve. I mean, I know how to carry sadness over a person. Um, and then I, I think encouraging families to create legacy for their loss, because then they're not feeling so empty handed. You know, they, they leave a hospital feeling empty in their arms. And I get that. And I, I think I carry legacy for every single baby I've claimed, all 30 of them. I've buried and celebrated the lives of 30 babies, naming most of them. And I keep looking, I my eyes are going to and fro, looking for legacy and purpose to identify and give each and every baby. And that gives, that like lifts life-giving, like the mysterious life-giving joy comes up in my soul over that. And that's what I long to inspire people to look for. Um, and I find that 
by either donating to Safe Haven Baby Boxes or coming to one of my baby funerals or donating a cuddle cot to a hospital and helping bereavement programs become better than they are helps families be inspired to leave a legacy for their child. Well, I know uh, many of our listeners can't wait to get a, a copy of your book. And the, the stories and principles, are they in your book, uh, He Knows Your Name? Absolutely. My, the, my book is really covers about the first five years of my ministry. Um, and then my social media platform is constantly just updated with events and stories. There's so many stories on my website um, that I have from nurses and families and moms and dads and just people sharing their hearts so that people don't feel alone and feel isolated in their grief. So how can we get a copy of your book and also uh, learn more about your ministry and how we can be involved? Well, my website is heknowsyourname.org. Um, my publisher for my book was Kriegel Publishing, and so my book is on Amazon. Um, I think there's also a link on my website to my book if that if you want to go that route. Um, I'm on all the social media platforms, um, even TikTok these days. Um, so I, I find that that is the best way for me to kind of keep doing a day in the life of He Knows Your Name so that people can stay really relevant with what I'm doing. Because I really believe, like even when I wrote my book and I post anything, it's out of my heart for Revelation 19.10, which says, worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I just, my heart's desire is to continue to give the testimony of Jesus through everything and every life and every circumstance and every broken place, because that is where people find hope. Linda, I think it'd be more than appropriate right now for you to lead us in prayer and, and for that, that individual that's had a miscarriage, a couple that has lost, you know, a child, you know, they're, as you mentioned, the brokenness, you know, the suffering, they don't know what to do with the grieving and let's pray uh, for them right now. Can you lead us? Absolutely. I would love to. Oh, Lord Jesus. I just thank you that you love us so well that you hold us tight. You tell us in the book of Mark that you draw children to yourselves. And even as adults, we forget that we're children and we need to be held. And so I pray, God, that you would hold the suffering, the moms and the dads of loss, the moms and dads who long to have children and their dreams are not fulfilled. For those that are just feeling so broken, that you would mend up and bind up their brokenness and give them hope. I thank you, God, that the greatest miracle was performed at the grave. And so even though the grave scares us, we can have hope there that you birth things, you redeem things, you rebuild and restore things that come from the grave. Resurrect the dreams and hopes for people that feel so longing, so without dreams anymore, or so much brokenness. Remind us, Lord, that you set the lonely in families and you never leave the orphan. And so I thank you, God, that your arms are mighty to save. They're wide enough and just loving enough to wrap us up and put us in your lap and hold us close. God, I pray that I would just share the testimony of Jesus in and through the stories of He Knows Your Name so that others can find their yes that even in their broken places or their places of feeling ill-equipped or unqualified, that they would feel 
a yes rise in them to be with you and believe afresh again that you are the God of hope and you are the God who wants to bring life through us, your agents of change through the church um, to just be your blessing on earth to such a broken world. Help us, God, suffer well for you so that we can bring love and light of the gospel to our neighbors and the nations in Jesus' name. Thank you, Linda. Amen. So please pick up a book and you can also get information at heknowsyourname.org. Again, that, that's heknowsyourname.org. Uh, Linda, as predicted, uh, you have inspired and challenged us. Mm, thank, thank you so much for being on the Influencers Podcast. Thank you. I'm really honored. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Influencers Podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please be sure to hit the subscription button. You can help us to reach more people and bring more great guests onto the program by giving us a five-star rating and writing a personal review about how this podcast has personally impacted you. We love to read your comments. We'd love you to follow us at The Influencers Podcast Official. That's on all social media channels. To stay up to date, to hear more inspirational content, and to unlock your full potential as an influencer. Remember, folks, use your influence to move people closer to Jesus and his mission.